Hello and welcome to Priority Roll, an Age of Sigmar podcast from sunny England. Join us as we discuss the ever-changing character of wargaming in the mortal realms. Grab your D6 and get ready for the Priority Roll. Welcome back to Priority Roll after a short break. Thank you for your, your patience and bearing with us. Uh, life and all that jazz got in the way of, of Warhammer, which is frustrating when it does, but uh, important to take a break when required. So without further ado, I'm here to introduce today's guest, Peter Kukowski from sunny Poland, and we're going to be talking all about the Daughters of Cain. Welcome, Peter. Yeah, hello. Nice to meet you all. It's uh, fantastic having you here to talk about, I guess, the the best elves, so the, the most relevant elves currently. You know, I can't think of any elf-related things that's happening at the moment in the Age of Sigmar community that's kind of making much much news or waves. Can you think of anything? Yeah, I think it's like a perfect time to be an elf player, and I have been one for like four years. Since like 5th edition of Warhammer Fantasy Battle, I have been playing only elf armies. Excellent. And you, you do have some uh, some rather stunning elf armies, if, if I remember correctly. You're sort of uh, nicely painted and uh, they look re- rather impressive on the uh, tabletop. Yeah, thank you. Sadly, I can't paint like that. It, uh, it is all my like friend's work. But I love having my like armies painted like really good. And I think yeah, elf models are one of those ones that, that they really carry off a, a good paint job. Um, I think you know things like orcs, you can always get away with being a bit kind of messy because it kind of suits the style. Yeah, or or Nargul. or or Nighthorn. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Absolutely, loads of loads of weathering powder and kind of really gritty paint schemes. They they work quite well for some factions, but. Um, elves definitely respond well to that kind of yeah and the mo- and the models are like so good like in my opinion like for all the elves armies in age of sigmar so i think the models itself like stand out a lot yeah absolutely and especially now that we've we've been a we've rid ourselves of the shackles of the old world and now we can introduce crazy things like kangaroo riders and floating mountains yeah and actually like i love this like direction and all this like crazy stuff because like you can't like recycle tolkien uh, so much like exactly there's only there's only so much you can uh, you can steal it's uh, it's important to i guess craft your own ip and i think that's what games workshop's been doing uh, of late you know it's taking its its token inspired and, and other inspired works and basically putting their own spin on it and and making sure it's unique and i think we can we can see that in the lumineth the, the most recent lumineth releases but we're not here to talk about lumineth we're going to be talking about the best kind of elves that are available at the moment which is the daughters of cain i have to caveat that with at the available at the moment because when the kanothi hit then i'm sorry i'm I'm all over those as a as a wood elf fan i'm really excited for that oh yeah i think i think they will like it will come one day but like the question is are they the part of the sylvaneth or they will be like separate faction it's hard to tell yeah no i think uh maybe a separate faction but with maybe some sylvaneth you know, like like Cities of Sigma, you can take one Sylvaneth unit for every four Kanothi or something like that. Yeah, personally, I'm waiting for like Malarian elves. Oh yeah, I, that that'll be good. That'll like be good. I loved I loved his like character arc in the end times because before he was like this boring bad guy who was always losing, and they really gave him like Games Workshop gave him like other dimension in end times. So I'm like curious what they will go with him like. What he's like, because there is like not much about him in the fluff and in the books, and, and I think he's like hidden in the shadows somewhere. Which which is you know very apt for for, for Malarian hidden in the shadows. Uh, although I do wonder what they're going to do with Kanothi, because you know Alariel's now very much a Sylvaneth thing, and Orion, you know what's happened to him? What what are we going to see? 
So it's going to be interesting to see how they bring them into the mortal realms. Yeah, I don't think like I maybe they could like re- re- resurrect him or something like this because he was like very much dead in them. Like, yeah, totally. Like he was he was dead dead, but like I think everything can happen. Maybe there will be another character like him with like different name, like the yeah, aspect yeah. of him. The aspect of Iran, the aspect of Kurnoth. Yeah, something like like Dirthu. Yeah, like Dirthu or Adolans for like Deepkin, which are the aspects of the like gods of uh, oceans from the world, like that was or whatever it's called, like in lore. Yeah, absolutely. So we've had, I guess, uh, a flurry of new rules for Daughters of Cain. We've had the the new Battle Tome and the the new Marathi book. And of course, the uh, Warcry warband. Uh, is it Warcry? I don't mean Warcry, do I? I mean, yeah, it's a Warcry, yeah. It's is it Warcry, Warcry, not Underworlds? Yeah, it's a Warcry. Like, oh. uh, Daughters of Cain got Underworlds band as well, but the Shadowstalkers are Warcry. Ah, uh, yes, that's what I'm talking about, the Shadowstalkers, because yeah. they're, they're fairly, they're, they're quite a significant uh, change as well, you know, a, n- a new unit. Yeah, they're, they're, they are amazing. There was this brief talk of Umbraneth, wasn't there? Yeah, I think it was like a typo. On the like games workshop site, you reckon? I mean, was it a mistake or was it as in was it a mistake as in they spelt it wrong or was it a mistake they've revealed something that should be coming? I f- I think it might be like Malorian faction, but I don't think that like Shadow Stalkers were supposed to be like his troops because they are like because basically they are like all over the Morathi Broken Realms lore. Mm. And and they look like like daughters of Cain models. Oh yeah, absolutely. they have some like yeah, absolutely. They have some male male models, but like majority of the band are like witch elves and sisters of slaughter models. So yeah, you've got sisters of slaughter masks in there. You've got a you know the witch elf kind of models. Yeah, so I, th- I think they revealed like the by accident revealed the like name of the faction for Malarian elves. Like it could be like the case, I think, because maybe something someone like messed up and he thought it's like Malorion unit and it wasn't. Yeah, and I think uh, do you know what? I think the the kind of leader in the Shadowstalkers reminds me of the the character in Silver Tower, the Warhammer Quest thing that we we never really saw. Um, I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, it was like uh, the one was the ass- male assassin, and the other one was this like sorceress. Ah, uh, yeah. the, the Mistweaver. That's what. I yeah, Mistweaver. Yeah, the Mistweaver Say or Sai or something like that. And then we also had the the Shadow Assassin or whatever it was. Yeah, and I think they were like described as uh, having like different masters because they were not from the one faction. Mm. For sure. So they were like working together, but they have like different like masters in the uh, in the uh, Silver Tower like story. The Teneb Tenebral Shard. Yeah. So I think it's highly possible that like the Tenebral Shard is like Malarion guy, and the Mist Weaver was Morafi or something like this. Mm. Uh, but I think I feel like the Warcry model is is like a, a mix of the the Tenebral Shard and the Mist Weaver. It's got that kind of like the Jakari Dark Eldery kind of mirrored faceplate on it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was like the Mist Weaver like had this mask on. Exactly. As well, yeah. Love it. Absolutely love it. Let's get let's get back on the topic. So, what what in your mind is the is the kind of the most important changes that we've seen in these new rules? I think like the Morafi scroll is like amazing, and it's like it's so different to the like the previous one because it does like so much more. Because you can't kill her as easily, and basically you have two models you can kill on the table, so it open it opens up a lot of like tactical possibilities, and also you can use her as, as a general. 
so her commandability is crazy good. Uh, so I think like the Morathi scroll is like the single best like scroll in Age of Sigma, like for sure. The, the single best scroll in the whole of Age of Sigma, full stop. Yeah, I think so. Like because That's she's a like shout. Yeah, I know, but like it's it is how it like plays. Like the whole army plays around like Morathi scroll right now, and it's so good that you can like win the games with it. So it's like not only it like synergizes with whole army, but it's also like crazy good on its own. So I think it could be like the best scroll in the Age of Sigma. Impressive, yeah. And do you think there's a there's space for Marathi in in almost every army, or do you think that they can you know Dorsa Kane armies can kind of do do well without Marathi? I think you can do the uh, do well without Marathi, but Marathi is such a like amazing piece like tactical wise uh, that it's hard like not to include her in in armies. Like because like in this new book there are like tools to have something like different to for example like fighting in the combat phase the slaughter queen has this command ability so you don't have to take Morathi but I think she's like so good that you you gush to I think yeah it's interesting because it's a I'd love for um, Sylvaneth to have a similar kind of feel you know imagine having Alariel so good that you'd be crazy not to take her but yeah but I, I feel like with Sylvaneth you have to you, you almost have to build your army around the fact that you want to take her yeah but I think it's like it should be I think it should be like this like the book uh, should give like options to go without this like big model but definitely you should have like options to play with those models because like they look great and they have all the crazy rules and all this stuff like the same thing like with Techlist in Lumina. You can you can make like very good armies without Techlist, but also armies with Techlist are really good. But I think like Morafi is even like more essential to how the Daughters of Cain could play, especially for like competitive play, because she's like she gives you like other options. I feel like um yeah, you know the the fable of Goldilocks and the three bears and the porridge, you know. Um I feel like Alariel's a little bit too cold and daughters of Kate uh, Marathi rather is a little bit too hot but Teclis is just right you know you can you can take her uh, take him rather you can potentially not take him whereas I feel like Marathi is almost like a must-have and Alariel is almost like a if you take her you're, you're slightly um you're doing it for the model and perhaps for the law rather than for the the in-game table the sort of effect yeah but i think it does because like Alariel scroll is like on paper it's quite good like point wise but i'd rather have like very good rules than for example summoning because you are paying for the summoning you don't really like need or want in that army and it doesn't like synergize with how she should play no, and, and that points cost is baked into the war scroll, isn't it? Yeah, that's why like I think that without summoning, for example, for like four hundred points or three hundred fifty, she would be like really good. But with the summoning like points added up, I think it's like she like she's too expensive because she will die to like anything and in Sylvaneth I think you can go like low drop. So some armies will just kill her and it's like one third of the of an army gone. Yeah, she's certainly an expensive piece. Um, uh, and apart from Marathi, you, are there any other kind of significant changes that you think fundamentally change the landscape of Daughters of Cain? I think the other one are like the uh, blood blood stalkers. Yeah, they're shooting like snakes. I think they got like so much better than you can basically build an army around them or include them as a support because like they are like really good range unit that can like stay back or be like really aggressive with. So I think them and, of course, like the Shadow Stalkers. Like Shadow Stalkers, like 
crazy good, the Warcry ban. Because basically they are like much better uh, tree revenants. Like they have like almost everything. They have like teleport, uh, they are like minus one to hit. So basically you can use them as a screen in your armies that can like jump over anywhere if you need them to. Because like basically they are like 100 points for 11 wounds. So they are like really good as a screen, especially if we with minus one to hit in combat. I think that anything that makes new models like the Bloodstalkers relevant and, and good is uh, is something to be applauded. I, I, they've It's strange because often Games Workshop produce rules that make the new stuff really, really good. And I feel like they slightly missed the trick um, in the previous codex. Uh, Battle Tome, rather. Uh, uh, sorry, I need to switch my brain into Age of Sigmar mode, not 40k mode. Um, <laughs> the, yeah, so the, the whether it was that they weren't good enough or whether it was that the other stuff was just better um you know you, you could you could discuss that but i think now that we've got some legitimate options for the the snake girls it's it's really good to see because uh yeah a those models are amazing uh but b i think it it means that we see more of an age of sigma daughters of cain army and by which i mean if you put uh you know what what's the kind of classic daughters of cain army from uh, like, like the like the classic like army was like Morathi, uh, Slaughter Queen on a cauldron, like uh, two like three units of witches or, or sisters of of slaughter and two units of Kinerai and two units of witches were like pretty strong. Yeah, so stick them on square bases and you've basically got a fantasy army. Yeah, fine, Kinerai, you know, swap those for harpies, whatever. But like that basically looks like a Warhammer fantasy battle army. Really yeah, because great. because I think it was like mainly constructed from the units that were previously available. Like because like Dark Elves had like witch elves and they had like harpies and the cauldrons are also from the old like witch like the old Dark Elves book. So I think there was like not much like new thing, new stuff. Like Morafi was new and like, but she was also like the uh, god from the old like old world. Exactly, and and you could you know if you swap Morathi for a dragon and your your Canary for a harpies, you you've it just looks like a <laughs> a dark elves army. And I don't know, you could you could you could say that. Well, your your point's absolutely right. It's it's that they that's what the models were. They were literally from the old world. But I feel like armies now with all these you know, with more than just Marathi, you've got loads of, you know, snake uh, models. You've got the um, the the snake HQ that came out, uh, the Bloodseeker Stalker or something. You have to remind me of it's it. It's like the Iron Scale. Ah, there we go, the Mel- Melusite Iron Scale. Yeah. It's just, um, it's just, I think it feels much more Age of Sigma. Yeah, I think so, because, like, the whole design of the half-snake army is, like, amazing. Like, the first thing, like they like they were even marketed in like Greek team, like Medusa and all this stuff. So it's really cool and like, but they work together with like witches as well because like they are like similar but very like different. So they are like really like cool design, like this Greek uh, team. But it's like I think the Games Workshop went for the Greek team with like majority of elf armies. You can find this like in I don't have Deepkin and in the uh, Wardens from Lumineth. So like it's really cool because like all those models like work together as well, mm. and the new ones are really like really good. There's definitely like a consistent design kind of theory behind it all, isn't there? Yeah, I think so because like they have like similar like stuff all across like all eleven uh, elven like range of mini mini minis for like Age of Sigmar. But I but I think it's like I think the new models are really like really good. Like I loved snakes before I took them like to. A grand tournament, I think, without Morathi, because they were like they were good like before, 
but now they are like much better and you can like build an army ra- around them as well. Yeah, and you've even seen, uh, I think, Russ, Russ Charles on Twitter, Russ underscore Charles. He's uh, one of the designers for the animal adventures, like Dungeons and Doggos, if you've ever seen that. Uh, that's his bag. But he, I think he's designed some snake bodies for uh, witch elves. So making them look like mini Malusai. Have you oh, seen yeah. those on Twitter? No, I haven't, but it like, sounds like really cool. Yeah, yeah. He's like 3D printed a bunch of snake kind of, you know, like the, the bottom half from the waist down. And all his uh, all his witch elves and sisters of slaughter are basically like mini Malusai. It's amazing. Yeah, that, like a lot of people like were converting them like hack queens that are like half snake and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. It all looks like amazing because they're like there are like so many possibilities like for the hobby wives to create their like own armies. Like with with all the lore, I think like the Age of Sigmar lore got like much better with recent releases as well. Especially like I think Broken Realms is like the first. Like the first like series that really like uh, it's good on its own instead of like going back to the old world with like everything. Yeah, and I think um, it, there's options to go crazy with things like Sylvaneth or Slanesh kind of kit bashes, and you can also draw in any any of the pointy ears um, models from from 40k as well. So look at the Drakari or, or Dark Elder. Um, if you're not familiar with the kind of new names, uh, Drakari, uh, the Craftworld Eldar, and even things like Harlequins. Yeah, I think like I love Eldar models. Like the new ones are really like good. Like I'm in love with like Inad, like uh, Inari heroes. They're like so good that I want to include them like in almost every army. Actually, I will be like kid bashing Lore Seeker for Luminef from Ivrain model. Oh, Ivrain's just so amazing. Like, yeah. what, what amazing model. That whole that whole box is brilliant, to be honest. Yeah, so I think like you can like cross any armies hobby-wise because like they look like familiar enough to make an army out of them. Like so whatever like you want, you can include, I think. Yeah, and the Spanish models as well, because they look very like elves alike. Totally. And and somewhat ironic, I suppose, mixing them up. But I, I wonder whether you could do like a Slanesh themed um, Daughters of Cain army with the um, the innate kind of shard thing that the or the Incarn, the avatar of innate uh, from the uh, the Triumvirate box. You know, the, the big the big swirly one. Yeah, I like I love this mini, and I actually like Benjamin Sava kid bashed like Stone Mage for me for Luminet from Incarn or whatever like this demon is called. Yeah, because, the, uh, because yeah. it's Cause like it's, it's too small to be um, Marathi, isn't it? I think. Yeah, I think it's not that big. Like, I think it's like a little too big for a stone mage. But like any, uh, I think any hero on like fifty base is like good to go with him. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so much, so much conversion opportunity. And unless, uh, unless you want to make a small Marathi out of him, like I think. Oh uh, yeah, mini mini Marathi that would be cool. Yeah. And then maybe you could use something like um, uh, you could kit bash. Fulgrim, not Fulgrim. I don't mean Fulgrim. Again, 40k mode, go away. Um, <laughs> who's the new Slanesh dude? <laughs> uh, Sigvald. Sigvald, that's it. Yeah. There we go. Uh, you could put Sigvald's uh, kind of body on Marathi's snake, um, kind of snaky bottom. Um, yeah, but I think it, make, like, it makes perfect sense because back in like Warhammer Fantasy, like actually the Daughters of, like, Daughters of Cain, Dark Elves, Witch Elves, they had this expansion that was like cooled off pleasure of Sanesh. It was, and it was basically an Daughters of Cain army that was like worshipping like Sanesh. Because it yeah, was Morathi. Exactly. Yeah, it was Morathi and Witch Elves only army, or mostly only. 
and it was like kind of like slanish elves. Yeah, I think that 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 would work really really well. Yeah, and you can use a one army to play like uh, to play two armies, like actually. Exactly, like, and that's I'm a big fan of that. I'm a big fan of kind of armies that you can you can toy with both and and briefly going back to 40k although i did say i switched that mode off i'm doing exactly the same for my space marines i'm repainting all my space marines to be alpha legion um which are the kind of like spy kind of space marines you know they're all about stealth and deception and the idea is that i can run them as any type so i guess it's a bit like coming up with your own storm storm host chamber for Stormcast and just being like, today the Hammers of Sigma and tomorrow they're um, one of the other ones, Anvils of Helden. Yeah, but I think like I think like like unique like chambers are really like cool because they can use them like uh, like game wise for whatever you want, but you can create like your own armies and your own like temples and claves and all this stuff. Totally. Although I I prefer I much prefer to ground it in some form of existing law rather than making my own law up. So if there's if there's a segment of law that allows me to be flexible, I'll definitely go for that, which is why I like this whole kind of cult of pleasure type thing for Slanesh or Slash Daughters of Cain is because it's mm. something that exists already in the law or, or previously did, um, but is still giving you that flexibility. Yeah, I think there is like amazing set of enclaves for like I don't have Bitkin. I have seen on Twitter like they enclave from the realm of shadows that was really painted like into kind of elf vampires in like grim dark colors and all this stuff and it was like really cool with like with models from uh like drukari and all this stuff and it looked like really amazing oh is that in white dwarf uh i don't think i have seen it like i've seen it on, on twitter but possibly it could have been in a white dwarf as well yeah i think that was uh, well as, uh, i'm sure peach is not the only one to have done it but um chris peach uh, from Warhammer TV or, or the Warhammer community team has uh, has done a very similar army that was featured in White Dwarf recently. Either I think, well, at the time of recording, it's the most recent one, but there is one on the horizon. Um, and uh, yeah, it's using the kind of Drakari witch elf models and things like that, and and a bit of Slanesh in there as well. Yeah, it's, it, it works like especially well with Daughters of Cain and Deepkin, I think, because they have all those elements like put together in them. Because they are like not good elves. Yeah. Combine all the naughty elf models and you're sorted. So um, in terms of Broken Realms, do you think do you think that's kind of taken Daughters of Cain up another notch? Yeah, I think it did. Like, uh, I think it did when it was like released because like the uh, uh, Battle Tome is like extension of those changes. So I think it like I think the Broken Realms was uh, like fantastic to introduce like new Morathi Scroll and new Temple and uh, better like Stalkers and better like blood sisters so i think like it really like changed the uh, changed the army like back then and now it's like it, it got even better with new battle tone i think some people were, weren't like very happy about this but i think it's like fantastic book so i think it's like really smart from a games workshop to go from broken realms to more like fleshed out rules in the new books i think yeah, and and so the the new um, temple, the um, Zane Fakar, was that included in the battle tome as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you think that's a temple worth considering? I think it's like I think it could be cool, but there are like battle temples. Like the thing is that all the temples in your book like are quite good. So basically, you can use like any of them and play with it. It's not like there is like one sub faction. It's like so much better than anything else. Like Hagnar in the previous battle tome. Yeah. So I, th- I think you can like use like any like any temple you want. If you want to go like for the crazy Death Star kind of army, I think the Zainter Kai is like could be really good. 
But like it's all like very meta dependent. I don't think it could like survive in this meta that has a lot of shooting. But I think in other stuff it could be like really good. Mm. So so uh, so it's I not. I think like, we're gonna we're gonna be talking about uh, a Zainthor car list. Uh, no, I think we're we, about no, this. we'll talk about the Kaltner. 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 That's it. There we go. Yeah. Get my names wrong. Is there like other new one? That's right, yeah. So basically, like, the book is really good because it has, like, so much, like, internal balance that you can use, like, almost any model you want and it will be good. So basically, it's like, even if you are a new player and you want to play Daughters of Cain Army, you can, play, you can, like, basically buy any model and you know that it will have, like, you could place it in some kind of arm so it won't be, like, on your shelf, like, forever. It's a cool model, but you don't want to like play with this because it's so bad rules-wise. So I think like the internal balance of this book is really good. Like all the sub factions are really good. Like it's so I think it's it's one of the be best written like books for Age of Sigma. Yeah. From the perspective like of internal balance and external balance as well, because all those armies will be good in the meta. So it's not like they will be like really bad or you can't play with them. It's like still a very strong book for like tournament players and all this stuff with a lot of options. So you can change armies depending on the meta and on the on the armies you are prepared to face and all this stuff or the missions scenarios and all this stuff. So it's like it's really like it's really well written, I think. Yeah, and I think that internal and external balance is really important because it's it's always disappointing to to get a book and and feel like one of the options that you want to go for isn't worth doing or is so kind of flawed compared to some of the stronger options. Um, but also I think the community can be a bit quick to write things off um, in terms of efficiency and saying things like, oh, that's not worth taking or, um, you know, there's no point in taking that because, you know, there's no point in taking mod uh, unit A because unit B is so much better. And it's just like, well, sometimes you don't want to, you know, everyone, everyone, you know, likes to design armies that, that will do well in kind of match play environments, obviously. Um, but it's also important to kind of stick to be true to yourself. And and if you really like the theme, so let's take kind of the the, Malu the Malusai Medusa kind of theme that we've got going on. You know, previously, if you wanted to run a snake army, it was a bit of a, a bit of a meme, wasn't it? A bit of a quirky army. Um, and I suppose if you weren't running that kind of Hagnar style fantasy list that we discussed previously, then, well, you were kind of shooting yourself in the foot slightly. Um, that said, I think you should still be able to do it. You should still do it anyway, even if the book doesn't necessarily give you the tools to it, because um, you can still do well. You can still, you know, win three out of five games or, you know, whatever. And actually, if that's what you want to do, then go for it. I just think that it's it's a bit sad when you see people kind of like, no, it's just it's just rubbish. It's it's completely terrible. And it's just like people love using extremes and hyperbole, don't they? Yeah, I think I had like some discussions how bad like this battle tome is compared to the old one. It was like crazy because old one, like it was like so good for so long, but it wasn't really good like right now. Like I, I don't think you could like play with it like with success, even with going with like full witches and all this stuff. And this book like is much better, but reaction of some people was that it's like not really good because like I don't know because it's Hollywood thing and all this stuff. And we like we knew the, that changes were coming anyway with how the other books are constructed. So I think like, yeah, like people like, like being like caught up in the moment. Like the same was like when the Deepkin was released, a lot of people thought they were like really bad. The, the moment they were released like for a few months and then they found out they are like really good or they are like amazingly good. 
So I think it's like a matter of like sticking with such an army and playing a lot of with it, especially if it, if it has like tools to do well. And I think the Doctors of Cain army has a lot of stuff that they do really well. Yeah, and and I think you know that's something that people. I think it's hard to change your your mindset when you are so used to something. You know, Daughters of Cain, competitive Daughters of Cain, it is that, you know, Hagnar list. Yes, there's variants of it on it, and uh, you can kind of tweak it left and right a little bit, but it's it's really kind of focused on that core thing previously. And I think if a book comes out that's offering something different and that thing that you were previously so, you know, that you associated with, you know, strong match play armies uh, is different, then it's easy to kind of write off and be like, oh, it's just this is a, this is a rubbish book. It's a nerf overall. Because in your in your mind, it's nerfed the one thing that was good about the army. Whereas actually, you just should reassess every single book, not only in comparison to what it was before, but also from a like base zero level of being like, well, what is good about this book? Almost treating it as like a new faction book, not just a, a refreshed version of the old faction. Yeah, sure. And like also the meta changes. So something that was like really good like one year ago could be like really bad right now. So like new armies are like being released at like, high tempo right now so there are a lot of changes here and there so i think i think you can't like play the same list all the time like it will like it won't work with like with how the releases are going like it i'm sure it won't work for like majority of armies so i think it's important to have the book that has tools like to be changed or tweaked to the changes of the meta i think and i think the Daughters of Cain book is fantastic about uh, about this like aspect that it can really uh, adapt to the changes from the other armies because you have so much options so basically you can like write a list to counter like almost any other list yeah definitely and I think that's that's where it comes it comes in when you're saying like this is a really good externally balanced book is that you can you can write a list that is going to be the rock to another person's scissors but there is always going to be someone that's playing paper and i think if your meta is entirely paper then if your book offers a really really strong rock then it's very easy to be like this is terrible there's no point in taking it but you know the 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 armies the top tier armies or or indeed the popular armies because sometimes it feels like the popular armies are the top tier armies but that's just because they're new and the the meta has been shaped around the the previous meta so you know it's just it's like there's this, there are so few Warhammer games being played. And I don't mean in the COVID environment, but I just mean it at a kind of global scale that there are so few events on a kind of macro level that it's so hard to kind of analyze what, like a consistent meta because the meta changes so quickly with the release of, of models and events, the meta of events specifically, like the UK, if you look at the UK meta, the UK meta could be completely different based off like who's available that weekend, you know, um, if you're thinking, right, you know, Daughters of Cain back in their glory days of when they were absolutely dominating the top tables, you know, they are the army to beat. I never actually played Daughters of Cain during that period. I never played against them. You know, and they were the army to, the, to beat. Yeah, but I think it was like the case because like this army was like crazy expensive, like to start with. So basically, if you didn't have like models, it was like a huge amount of witch elves and they are like the most expensive games workshop kit, I think, for the models. And point-wise, they were like 100 points. So you, I think it was like also the matter of popular, popularity of this army. Like it wasn't like really popular because to play well at tournaments, you had to like 
cap, like a lot of witches. So it was like crazy expensive army, kind of like fire slayers, I think. Yeah, totally. Although even though armies are popular, you're not necessarily guaranteed to play them at an event. Uh, and that can be changed by who attends the event and, you know, who who has a good game on turn one. Where, do you know what I mean? There's just so much on game one, rather. There's just so much variation on it. And, and it's not happening at such a, a scale that it is so hard to analyze a consistent meta, but we we do we do what we can. We 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 kind of analyze the the deck of cards that we get dealt. That's fine. Um, the hand that we get dealt, rather. Yeah, but uh, but I think it's like like I think it's like the cool thing about like list building that you got to like build your list to like counter as much stuff as you could or do well against it. So yeah, no, it, that's that's why writing lists is so cool because that, and that's why I love like looking at lists is because you you have this concept of a meta but it's it's not permanent it's not consistent and it's not guaranteed it's not like you're going into a chess tournament and be like right what strategy am i going to play well i know you know person a b and c are playing and they always open with with you know technique one two and three respectively so therefore if i'm going to play them i know i'm going to be doing x one z as my opening move that it, you just don't have that consistency because you have so many variables in the form of artifacts, temples, uh, command abilities, players, preferences, whether they're going first, drops, you know, things like that. Whereas I, I feel that sometimes some of the analysis that goes on in the game treats it like those things are constant. Um, but part for part for for me, part of it is is that you're designing a, a piece of a puzzle for a puzzle that's constantly changing. Yeah, it's like like exactly. It's uh, it's like this. I think. Like, because the meta is, like, changing all the time. So you can, like, for example, like, win rate of one army from, like, half a year ago may, might be totally inaccurate, like, right now. Because, like, it changes so much that, for example, for analysis, it's, like, hard to get, like, the right reference point to have, like, any conclusions. Especially if, like, so many armies, like, are being released right now. Absolutely. And and uh, that's why win rate, you know, I've always been skeptical of the data that's put out about win rates. Um, and I think it, it provides a perspective. It provides a snapshot in time and space of of a faction, but it, it isn't the be all and end all. Like, absolutely, that data is great that it's being collected and it's great that it's being presented um, and, and all credit to the people that, that do that. But I think it's important not to, that isn't the be all and end all about that faction. You know, if a faction's win rate is terrible, it's not that the faction, it's not necessarily that the faction is terrible. It's that the faction was terrible at the time versus the meta that existed then. And if you, if, if win rate informs the meta of the future, you know, look at something like Beast Claw Raiders or, or now, you know, the, the, the ogres, uh, just overall, if you're like, okay, ogres were terrible before and therefore no one takes ogres because they're terrible in people's minds then you're not going to have a huge number of ogre players and people that want to do well because they're very competitively minded won't take eld uh, ogres and people that might just like og ogres for the for the lore and the lols will take them and those people therefore might not necessarily do hugely well at tournaments because they've taken a non uh, tuned list therefore the you're just perpetuating that win rate whereas if you know, really competitively minded players that wanted to kind of eke out every single bit of uh, performance and efficiency from an ogre list. If they just kind of bucked the trend and said, "Hey, I'm going to run this," then they're only they're, they're going to be a in the minority and a bit of a, a statistical aberration. So they're not going to change the win rate anyway. You need you almost need a, uh, a a kind of huge landslide of people suddenly playing an underrated faction in order to shift these stats. Yeah, I think you could like I think to be like to use like such data you would need like like particular like player win rate as well. 
Yeah, like, absolutely. It needs to it needs to be taken in the in the context. Yeah. Ultimately, it's it's flawed. It's fundamentally flawed data, um, which is fine if if you if you acknowledge that and and accept you know uh, that this data is is not necessarily the be all and end all. Uh, it's not the truth. It's a perspective. Yeah, but like uh, realistically, you can't like even tailor your army uh, according to the, like this like win rate data because like it can happen. Like you could like add some stuff to your army to combat this or that, but. You can't like basically create like army based on like data. Like you can, like you could create like something in, for example, esports or something when the data is important so much because we have you you got you you had like tools to adjust a lot. Yeah, because we are we are limited by like the battle tomes as well. Like some will do like really well in like this or that meta, and some won't. Like because like I think the balancing stuff is really hard. Like I think people can expect every book to be like perfectly balanced. Like it's not possible, like it's possible in chess or in some other games, but with like so many armies in Age of Sigmar, some got to be better and some got to be like worse. Like I think the like perfect scenario is to, for them to be like close, like together in terms of like power of the book, but some of them will be like better and some of them will be worse. Like, like Games Workshop won't be able like to balance it out, like to be, super competitive and fair like stuff yeah absolutely because like for example like even like blizzard with hearthstone there are like so many like stuff to change that it's not balanced with like nine classes and they have like huge team of like play testers and all this stuff who want to make it a balanced game and it still like isn't so depending on the season it like changes a lot like there are Wars, there are like really bad classes and really good classes. So I think it's even harder with like 20 factions or 30 factions to balance it. Yeah. And I think that's, that's fine. You know, I, I think I don't mean that in a kind of <laughs> sat round in a, <laughs> in a burning building. It's fine. It's fine. It's like yeah. you're never, you're, if you constantly want a, a game that's perfectly balanced and you want that from Age of Sigmar, then you're constantly going to be frustrated with the changing nature of the meta. And so if you accept that that's the nature of the game, then I think you'll be a lot happier. Yeah, I think so. Because like, basically at the end of the day it's still just a game so it's like it's not that you are like making living out of this because it's like not like esport or something it could like it's really cool like competitive wise but it's still like a dice game so you get like accepted that it's it's not a chess like no, absolutely, and I think there's. Um, I, I do. You know the always has been meme of the two astronauts. Um, I, I just. Uh, I, I enjoy the, the the concept of the the first astronaut looking at the, the the Earth from space, and it's just Warhammer. You know, Age of Sigmar, okay. and he's like, he's like, what? It's it's a it's just a war game and a hobby. And the second astronaut behind him's got the gun. He's just like always has been. It's like that, that, that just sums up. That just sums up what happened to me. It, like, it's a whole, yeah, but it's, it's, a game. it's true. Yeah, it's, it's great to get passionate about the stats, you know. And I wouldn't, and I wouldn't get a, I, I wouldn't be doing a, a competitively focused Age of Sigma podcast if I didn't think that you know competitive Age of Sigma wasn't worth talking about. I'm not saying that. I'm not trying to undermine those that. Yeah, I'm playing only like personally. I'm playing only competitive games. So because I don't have like time for narrative and all this stuff. So, but but it's fine. Like I, I accept it to be like not perfectly balanced because that's that, that that's how it is, and it won't change much. I think. No, and if if you if you invest so much um, energy, and I guess put so much of your own mental kind of capacity into being invested in it, being balanced, then you're like you know 
don't don't try and like don't sweat the little things and don't don't try and get wrapped around the axle about things that you can't change and that won't change because ultimately like yes we should strive for a more balanced system but perfect balance won't exist and there are always going to be fluctuations in in win rate and power and you know books and like yeah yeah it's not like i'm saying that it, it needs to be unbalanced but i'm like perfectly fine with being it unbalanced like it should be as balanced as it's possible but there won't be perfect balance between like strategy factions it's like not possible unless you have like huge amount of people working on it like day and night and it won't happen because it's like it's also a uh, like minis and all the stuff and narrative and all the stuff. So I think Games Workshop, like, I think they like change a lot to make it more balanced with frequent uh, FAQs and all this stuff for 40k and for Age of Sigmar as well. Because back in like Warhammer Fantasy, you got a book and it was, you were never getting an FAQ and anything. And the changes were coming like for in next five years when the new book was released. So it's still like a lot of like change, I think, and for I think for the better for sure. So totally, and and I think it's also it's funny that you know when things change quite rapidly, um, people are like, oh, I don't like the pace of change. It's like, well, <laughs> where's the middle ground? <laughs> like, you know, what? Yeah, I, I think like twice a year FAQs that change like points and all this stuff are really good. Like, I think like I think it's like the good way to go because people like you can change like stuff from month to month. Because like how anybody like should buy miniatures that he wants to play with, it's like change all the time. Absolutely right. I think that's, that's that has been an incredibly interesting conversation, Peter. Um, and hopefully the listeners uh, will will find it interesting. Not necessarily agree with it. We, you don't have to agree with everything that everyone says on social media or podcast. That's fine. Um, yeah, sure. It's just uh, you know that that's that's our perspectives on it. Um, and it, and if you fundamentally disagree with anything we've said, like write into us. Like uh, you know reply to the thing on twitter or instagram or, or send us an email we are priority role at gmail sorry we are priority role podcast at gmail.com uh, and uh, let us know your thoughts um because like ultimately this is a, a discussion and you know people are allowed to have diff- different views so let us know what you think but we are going to be talking now all about lists so we've got three lists and some listeners uh, a quick shout out to uh Gedoom on or jed doom on uh, on Twitter and also Pisspoor General, uh, a few people, uh, in, uh, those two in particular, are very excited about the prospect of a Doors of Cain Snake special episode. Which, when uh, when I had a previous guest on the, on the show, we were talking about how Broken Realms kind of changed Doors of Cain a little bit, and we did promise a a snake themed episode. So, in the absence of a snake themed episode, I present to you our first list, a snake themed list. So, we're going to be talking all about uh, this first one, which is a Calibron list. Yeah. And I think everything has got snakes in it in some capacity. Yeah, I think like uh, the Calibron list, like it's almost all snake list, and it could be all snake if you want to. So yeah, well, I mean the K Knight Shadowstalkers count because they have a snake dude in it. Yeah, and I think like even if they don't count, you can like you can change them for like something else. I think totally so talk to me talk talk me through that list uh like this list is like like the new way like kind of new way to play like doctors of kane because it's based on alpha shooting so basically you teleport a unit that like shoots a lot uh, close to the enemy and you shoot down like important pieces and whatever you want so basically you teleport the big unit of stalkers right away from the enemy and you uh shoot with them they're like 
40 shots, I think, generating mortal wounds and all this stuff. You can also alpha uh, blood sister as well, thanks to like iron scale. Uh, so I think it's like really aggressive. It's built like to counter a lot of armies they can't deal with shooting, but it also has a lot of I think uh, staying power because you have Morafi. Morafi is like cool. You can like advance her up the board. You can teleport her. So you, you got you 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 have tools to do a lot of cool stuff with Morafi in this list, uh, and it works like extremely well with uh, mirror dance spell. That's on like. Like Medusa has it, so you can teleport two heroes uh, anywhere on the table, nine away from the enemy. So basically, you can teleport both Morafis nine away from the enemy and charge to target one target or two targets, and you shoot down the stuff. You can also teleport uh, Shadow Stalkers. So basically, like it has a lot of options to go with how you can teleport all the way around. You can teleport like the shooting snakes and then screen them with teleporting shadow stalkers as well. Also, it's like two drop list and it's like really important because basically uh, you can also shoot in hero phase, but you teleport in the movement phase. So you can't teleport and shoot twice. You got to shoot in your hero phase and then teleport like big block of shooting snakes uh, close to the enemy. And so what allows you to shoot in the hero phase? Like uh, Morathi command ability. Like small Morafi command ability, it has like amazing range because it's 24 inches hollow within. And with like, and you can teleport Morafi as well with Mirror Dance or with the uh, Kai Lebron command ability. Because you are using command ability to teleport any unit anywhere on the table. You need to be close to the general, but small Morafi is always a general. So you can use her to teleport unit as well. So basically, it has a lot of teleports, a lot of like mobility and these alpha shooting options that you can go with. But basically, you want to give a turn away. So opponent got to close in to get in range and you can shoot in hero phase into, once, uh, into one target and then you can teleport them and shoot into something else uh, again. And it's also, it's crazy good on double turn. So if you're giving up the turn and you go to go for a double, you can shoot basically three times with snakes. So it's like, it's really good. It also has minus one to hit versus shooting whole army wide. So I think it could help with stuff like, I don't know, Haradron's Overlords or some other shooting arm. You know, there's a huge amount of movement and teleporting in this uh, in this list. Uh, you know, you've got things like uh, the b- baked in Calibron ability, command ability. So pick one friendly unit wholly within 12 of, of the general, remove that unit from the battlefields, and then set them up nine inches away. And obviously you've got the mirror dance that you've spoken about, which is pick uh, two friendly heroes within 18 inches. And you've even got things like you know, Steed of Shadows, a different law uh, spell. So you can cast it on a six and you uh, make um, your character have, um, your caster rather have a move characteristic of 16 and fly. And obviously then you've got the uh, the Knight Shadow Stalkers um, ability as well. So like, do you think that, and I don't just mean this list or, or Dorsa Kane, do you think armies in Age of Sigma have access to this kind of movement shenanigans uh, too much these days do you think the armies do you think do you think thing, things could benefit from being, i being think like a down? lot of people like complain about this but actually i like i really like all those kind of teleports because it makes like makes playing the game much more difficult and takes a lot of like more skill and a lot of carrot how you move and how you like uh how you approach movement phase and all those teleports like, I think I was watching my friends playing old fantasy battle 
I think it was eighth edition or ninth age. And it was like so static. There were like two armies across each other and it was like nothing going on. So I think with teleports, I think it's like really like, I really, I really like this, that armies have access to this. And, and actually I hate this when I'm against those armies because it like, it takes a lot of care in your movement, positioning and all this stuff to uh, think about teleporting stuff. Yeah, it, it definitely is. It's much more of a kind of 360 degree battlefield, isn't it? You know, you don't have to. It's not like a, a front line and a front line. You see, you've got to you've got to watch your flanks. You've got to watch behind you. You've got to watch your spacing. You've even got to watch it like in the middle of the army. If you if there's an 18 inch you know gap in the middle of a of of your kind of of your lines, then yeah, and I think it makes like may it makes the games like more dynamic. I think, and I really like this because it's like it's it's basically. In like second turn, on like in second battle round, on third battle round, it's not about your territory and enemy territory, but the, like the game is played over like the whole board, actually. Totally, and I, I think that that creates some interesting game. Yeah, but I think like not uh, every army like can like use it or is good at using this. Uh, so I think some armies need this, some like don't. It like depends on what uh, what do you want to play. But I think uh, some kind of reserves or like uh, units coming off the board edges and all this stuff. I think it makes like this game like much better than just static two lines of models. Totally. And uh, you know, one of the other options I suppose for a snake themed army. You've obviously gone for Calibron, but. Uh, Zainthakai uh, is theoretically a kind of Malusi themed temple, but it's much more. I think I feel like it's much more focused on sort of close combat snakes, blood, blood sisters rather than stalkers. Yeah, because we, like basically all the snakes army are like much more mobile with new book because you want to include Iron Scale with and her command ability like is crazy good for snakes because uh, it enables you to. Uh, run to d6 and then run and charge with them and basically with daughters of cain with blood rights table you reroll once to run as well so basically they have like on average is like 16 or 17 inch move and then they can charge as well so it makes them like because the snakes weren't used much in the old book because they were like much slower than witches they had great movement of eight but witches can run and charge they couldn't, so it was like it made the armies more like less mobile. And right now, you can take any army and like move those blocks of blood sisters around with iron scale ability. Uh, especially that's like for the snake heavy armies, you want to have battalions in, so you have you will have like enough command points to do all those stuff, all those tricks and all those abilities. Yeah, and and you've got you've got two command points because you've bought an extra one, yeah. and you've got the Viperic Guard. Yeah, so that is Marathi Kane uh, and the Shadow Queen, obviously, and then one to two Medusa or Iron Scales, and you've obviously got both in there, and um, two to three units of Blood Sisters or Blood Stalkers, and you've obviously just got two. So it's a it's a hot it's a Viperic Guard drop plus uh, the Shadow. Yeah, Stalkers. for Calibron, yeah, because like I think I was playing without Shadow Stalkers as well to go one drop, but Shadow Stalkers give you so much like utility and possibilities, like. The possibility to teleport big block of shooting snakes and then screen them with shadow stalkers is like really good. So I think like like Viper mm. Guard gives you like ability to uh, go really low drop, and you basically got another command point for free from their like ability. And it's, 
yeah essentially that there are there are no the ability that the battalion gives you is just that you can use a command ability once per battle without spending a thing so essentially it gives you no additional rules and it gives yeah, you yeah and it's like it's usually points. also better than like uh, extra command point because it bypasses the for example luminef total eclipse or catacross stealing you command point because basically you can use command ability. F- that's yeah. that's true. Yeah, because it's, it's yeah. without it being spent. So you don't spend two catacross, can't steal it, and all this stuff. So it, it's like it's quite cool for a battalion, especially that you can have more affine battalion as well. So to go like really low drop, it's like really cool battalion like to have. Uh, oh, and actually one last thing about the um, thingy Kai list. It also gives you an extra artifact and you the zainth archai um it gives you an extra artifact and you don't have enough heroes to put that artifact on because you've already got you've got two normal heroes i.e non-special characters and uh, they've already got both both of them have got artifacts via the sort of basic one and then the the faction uh, sorry the battalion yeah i think if you go if you want to go with zainth archai it's like kind of wasted because basically you want battalion in this as well so you would have to have like three non-named characters in a list to use it. And I don't think it's like very optimal. Because no, you're not only using up more points, you know, you, you've got Blood, Blood Sisters and Blood Stalkers are, are fairly points heavy for for low number of models. Uh, and then you're taking up more points with an extra Yeah, for well, like so. for any Snake Army, I think you should have uh, Battalion, Viperingar or the other one, the uh, Skate Colven, uh, uh, just for the extra common point. Because you will be spending common points on running and charging. With them, with Iron Scale for the combat Blood Sister for sure, and you will be spending common points or on Morafi ability to uh, fight in the hero phase with a. Yeah, unit. and I think Skaith Coven uh, combos even even poorly with Zainth Archive because one of the rules that you get from Zainth Archive is that you plus one to bravery characteristic of Malusa and Harpies, um, and then the Skaith Coven means that you don't take battalion uh, battle shock tests for your. <laughs> <laughs> the blood sisters stalkers and harpies in the in the battalion so it's an even worse choice but yeah it's interesting yeah but yeah but like like for sure i think i think you that's why i think the zainter kai at this point isn't like the best of sub factions i think it's like if you want to go yeah. heavy snakes you would like to go with kaltnar or with Calibron. Whether you want to fight or whether you want yeah, to definitely. shoot with them. Yeah, Keltnars, the retreating in charge is, is, is really interesting. The strike and fade ability. Right, so that's enough on snakes. Let's talk about the next one, which is a Keltnar. That's, a, that's well segued, Peter. Excellently done. We're talking yep. about Keltnar now. So we've got, uh, we've still got Marathi yep. and the Shadow Queen. We've got Marathi K and the Shadow Queen. We've, we've got a Malusai. Now we've got a, a blood rack shrine. Yep, and a hag queen. And a hag queen. So the hag queen has catechism of murder, and the blood rack shrine gives you the has the shadowless stone artifact and still mirror dance. Yeah, obviously mirror dance being uh, a really useful tool, and the shadow dance uh, as uh, sorry the shadow stone. Uh, obviously, we had on the the yeah, it's plus one to cast basically. Yeah, which is which is useful for for the mirror dance. Uh, and then you've gone for. In a previous list, we had 10 Blood Sisters, 5 Blood Sisters, and 20 yeah. Blood Stalkers. And this one, we've got 20 Blood Sisters, 10 Witch Elves, 10 Witch Elves, uh, and obviously the Shadow Stalkers as well, and the Viperic Guard. Um, and what you've got here is is the Heart of Fury. Now, the next two lists have both got the Heart of Fury in, and the, the third one, uh, we're going to be talking about the Blood Rack Viper. But I think this is a great opportunity to talk about the Endless Spells overall. 
Um, how do you feel that they've changed uh, the decisions being made at the list building stage for Daughters of Cain players? I think like the endless stalls are like uh, like two of them are amazing. Like the uh, snake, it's called the blood yeah, Bloodrock Viper and like Heart of Fury. Like I think are both amazing. Like I don't think you need them in Kai Lebron because you need a lot of stuff. It's like more static stuff with teleporting around. It's harder to use. But Heart of Fury is basically minus one damage to everything that goes uh, through Daughters of Cain units hole within 12 from it. So basically, it's like amazing tool to reduce a lot of damage, especially against armies that have like damage two or three. For example, I don't know, I don't have Deepkin uh, charging with Morsar God, then they are like damage one. Like... Anybody who played with Deepkin against uh, Seraphons with minus one to damage uh, knows that it like it reduced like a huge amount of damage going at you. So basically, it's like it's expensive. It it's not really uh, very like you you won't cast it always and you won't have always on a battlefield. But even for like one battle round, it could be like crazy good because basically it will save you a lot of models for like for free and if it stays like longer it's like even better especially it's like 12 holy within so it's like pretty good range for units because it has like it has base and all this stuff so i think it's like really good like endless like it's not endless spell it's like evocation or something because like you you, yeah, you need a, a priest invocation yeah. of Cain. so yeah. basically you can't like uh, you can unbind this as well so it's like it's pretty like pretty powerful i think and I think for any armies that need to soak some damage in, I think it's perfect. Even even if it's like for a one battle round, it's I still think that's really, really good. Is this the first time that we've seen a essentially a a prayer, an endless prayer, and an endless spell in the same box? Because previously we've had like the corn prayers. Yeah, I've, I I think it might be the first and like the, the first I one. I want to say the fire slayer stuff. Yeah, they have well. only prayers. Yeah. So yeah. The, I guess this, this is great. I, I hadn't even realized that. I hadn't even noticed that that the heart of fury uh, was a priest invocation rather than a, yeah. Than so a basically, spell. on three plus, it goes up, and you can't like you can't stop it. Love it. And the blood rack viper is the other one, which uh, a is just screaming out to be a mount for someone. You know, I'm sure plenty of people have already converted something to be riding it as a maybe a ceremony. Yeah, and it's like. It's a huge model. I think like those endless spells, because usually endless spells like level design is like a lot worse than the minis itself. Uh, but those ones are really like great. Like the Viper is like huge model. Like it's literally it's huge, like huge endless spell. And it also like it's it's also I mean amazingly good because basically you pick one unit and roll three dice, and for each roll that is equal or greater than the unit's one characteristic. One mother is slain. Like the thing that is equal or greater or not greater is like huge because basically you can kill on average you are killing five yeah, wound hero uh, with it. That's tasty. You know, with three dice you've got a decent a decent chance. Yeah, I think five. it's uh, like about eighty percent to kill like kill a five wound hero, and it's, like it's even good against like one wound models because basically you kill three of them right away. It's like a, a guaranteed. Arcane Bolt that does three three mortal wounds. Like it's even better because it's like 
those are not mortal wounds, but the unit like models are slain. So even if you have some kind of after say fanatical faith or something, they are just Love dead. It. Yeah, that's really good. And so you set it up wholly within nine inches and then can move it uh, an another nine inches. So it's, it's an 18 inch range essentially. Like basically it works perfectly fine with Morafi and Myro Dance because Morafi can like Myro Dance, Night Away from the Enemy and blast the spell into like anything she wants without the risk of it like coming back to uh, bite you, bite, uh, bite one of your units anyway. So basically, yeah. you could be like quite safe. It won't come back to hunt you like with other endless spells because you can cast it from Morafi that can be like teleported near the enemy. Like I played like a few times with this spell and it was like, it was always fantastic. It was killing, for example, Deepkin. It's like on average, you are killing one eel. And if you are lucky, you can kill like whole unit of or two of them. So it's quite like amazing. Yeah, that's 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 really tasty. But it's also like balance on the other hand, because like Daughters of Cain doesn't have like many bonuses to cast. Like the best one is Morafi's plus one. So against like heavy magic armies, you won't like you won't cast it a lot of times. So it's not like there is no ability to make it like plus two or plus three to cast no, or something like this. The, the shadow stone from the blood rack. Yeah, but so. it's still like, it's like plus one, so you need to like roll plus a six one, anyway. Yeah. So there is like... Yeah, totally. It's not like a, a disciples of Singe or something that's like really uh, automatic to cast. So it's really cool. It can be used, but it can be also unbound like quite easily by some armies, mm -hmm. like for example, I don't know, Luminef or Seraphons or something like this. So, so tell me about the kind of rest of the list as a whole. You know, what what does this do? Uh, well? Like basically, it's like very mobile and it's like hard to pin down because you got a, a retreat and charge like on everything. So every unit can retreat and charge. It's like really huge for Morathi because you can't keep her in one place. Like you can feed her like some weak unit and expect her to stay for a round in this place. So right now Morafi has like huge damage output, especially with rent two that was changed in FAQ. So she will just be running around whole board, like pining down units or charging, or doing a lot of damage and all this stuff. So basically, it's a list that like really makes Morathi like crazy good because she can retreat and charge, and also like the big block of Blood Sisters can retreat and charge as well. Like any unit can, like for example, Blood Rock Shrine. It makes much easier to contest for objectives and score points and be like all over the board because retreat and charge is like powerful ability and it's like inbuilt into whole army. So basically, you have like two tens of witch elves to screen your big block because you have like two like powerful two powerful units in this list, like Morafi and the Blood Sisters. So you have a lot of screen to screen Blood Sisters from any harm, and even if they are like pine down, you can like retreat with them and charge and go like to the six as well from the command ability of Iron Scale if you want to go with them fast yeah, to I some place. Yeah, I think kind of the two main threats of the 20 Blood Sisters and, and Marathi Kane is, uh, sorry, her, uh, the um, Shadow Queen herself. Um, I think that's quite cool. Uh, and then having your, your Witch Elves to screen out front and your Canine Shadow Stalkers to bounce around the board. I think that's giving a lot of threats at different angles. And it's going back to what we were talking about earlier with teleporting things. It, it 
it makes your opponent really kind of think about the 360-degree battlefield rather than just the units. That yeah, because like it has like a mirror dance as well. Because I love the spell, you can like basically even teleport like Bloodrock Shrine somewhere, and it also has like quite nice amount of mortal wounds because like Blood Sisters like do a lot of mortal wounds at the end of the combat phase. Uh, the Blood Rock Shrine does mortal wounds when it charges, and with uh, with its ability, it has like anti horde like stuff through blood uh, through yeah blood rock uh, shooting attack. So it has a lot of tools built in to like succeed against a lot of like possible matchups. So I think like basically I think it's like the the best way to use like uh, fighting snakes because they have a lot of like stuff going on in this list for them and the Morafi is more dangerous that once she can like retreat and charge as well. I think that retreat and charge is such a such Yeah a nice and and well. also you have like little like bonus in summoning because in Kaltner you can summon five Kinrai on a battlefield as well. So basically if you want to have like extra threat you can summon like life takers or hard renders from the yeah. general and it's it's flexible as well because you can you can choose either or you know it's it's it depending on what what you think that the the battle needs at that time. yeah because like both have like both are good because like uh, life takers got extra rent and damage when they are charging and morafi can buff their attacks by one if she's in combat 18 inches away from them so basically, they are charging and they are like three attacks each at rent, I think, one and damage two. And you can cast Mind Tracer on them. So even the small unit of five could be like really dangerous. And like hard renders can go through and take some objective if they remove because they move after shooting. So yeah, it's like it's like extra bonus and extra stuff that you can like summon. And then moving on to the final list, we've got a, a Hagnar list. This is, I think, much more a bit like when I chatted to Benjamin Sava uh, in a previous Dorsken episode. You know, this is much more of a classic Hagnar list, isn't it? You've got Shadow Queen, your big blocks of Witch Elves and Sister Slaughter. Or sorry, your big blocks of Sister Slaughter, uh, rather Witch Elves, um, and and a few new bits of the Shadow Storks and the Endless Spells. Do you want to do you want to talk to talk to us about that? Yeah, I think it's like the classic. Like I think you could call like a classic version of Daughters of Cain. Is basically like two blocks of Sisters of Slaughter, like backed up by teleporting stuff and like the new stuff in the book. So basically, you have Morathi, which works like huge like movement uh, movement piece in this army, and you have two blocks of Sisters of Slaughter that can, they can still pile in from six inches away. So basically, they have like almost a retreat and charge because you can retreat with run and then place them six uh, inches away from the enemy and activate them in a combat phase as well. So they are like still amazing. Uh, this army is like really fast. It can like run and charge. And it's also very resilient because thanks to the cauldron, they are like four up in the combat phase and they have like five plus after save from fanatical faith. And basically you can also cast uh, like a prey for the heart of fury as well. So it's like a lot of stuff to survive. Basically, you castle up, you soak a lot of damage, and then go all over the board with like units, which is easier with Sisters of Slaughter than Witch Elves because Witch Elves got nerfed a little bit because no longer they have plus one attack when they are near uh, Daughters of Cain Hero. Now they are like plus one to wound, 
so they lost a lot of damage. But they're like cheaper, but Sisters of Slaughter are still like amazing. Yeah, and the two blocks of 30, especially if you're kind of around the Heart of Fury, I think makes them incredibly resilient. Yeah, and they are, they are like also very fast and they can like put every one of them into combat because they have like six inch piling and their like whips are two inches range. So like it will play like the old Daughters of Cain army a lot. But with better Morathi and probably with better like better protection because of the Heart of Fury. Like uh, I think one of the drawbacks is that the fanatical faith uh, five plus isn't working on mortal wounds anymore because it was like yeah no. it was in FAQ. So against mortal wounds you are like six up. But you can yeah, st- and, but and you've you've got to roll a five up as well for from witch brew to be uh, immune to battle shock. Yeah, that's why I I take like extra common point to like inspire to cast like to use inspiring presence on them as well because like witch brew is still cool but it's like not as good. So basically, I think the hack queen on the, on the cauldron of blood is enough for me. I need I don't need another like hack queen. It's like it got less buffs, but I think that hack queen isn't worth to be taken as well. If you are taking one, probably you don't need another one. Also, I think think, like interesting part is that you can like, you can fit a battalions into such list as well. Like you will lose, for example, like Shadow Stalkers or some Endless Spell. But if you want a battalion, you can go with Cauldron Guard or Slaughter Troop as well. I didn't because I I prefer to have one more like possibilities, but you could do this as well. Yeah, Cauldron Guard obviously I think has a more relevant uh, adding one to running a charge, but then you're using Witch Elves rather than uh, Sisters of Slaughter. Yeah, but then you can go like for example ten Witch Elves, thirty Witch Elves, and thirty Sisters of Slaughter as well. Like it could work for sure as well. So that's true. That's true. Now one unit that is uh, conspicuously missing from all of these lists uh, is the Doomfire Warlocks. And they definitely feel, you know, we've sort of spoken about the, uh, the kind of Warhammer fantasy battles, but, you know, with an Age of Sigmar sheen over the top of them, they definitely feel like like one of those units uh, that they don't really have a place in this army. Do you think there's a, a list that revolves around uh, a Shadow Patrol and either a large unit of Doomfires or, or multiple units of Doomfires? Like, I think it, like, I think it could be good, but I think it's like too, too much like gimmick in it. Because it's like, it has a lot of teleports, but Basically, for this, you can take Calibron, which will be better. I think, like, Doomfires, like, their scroll is, like, really good. Because, basically, they are, like, cheap wizard that has, like, 10 wounds and all this stuff. But, so, you can, definitely, you can take them. Like, it's nothing wrong with them, but I think they are, like, like, there is not enough points for them. Because if, if I want another wizard, I can go for, like, Medusa for 100 points. And she has like amazing shooting attack, or I can go for one one sixty for like blood uh, rock shrine, which also has shooting attacks, mortal wounds, and it has like fighting wounds. So I think yeah. so I think like the like doomfire warlocks are a little like less needed in this army because you have like basically better options. But I think taking ten of them in Calibron to teleport them and blast six mortal wounds and then charge. Because they have like quite good profiles, I think it could work as well. I played with them on with the old book, and they were like okay. So it's not like they are like rubbish or something, but actually there are like better options. That's uh, it's also the case with like uh, hard renders and life takers. 
Because if you want them, I think the Shadow Stalkers are better, but you can still use hard renders for sure. Because they are still really good. You can drop them behind enemy lines and then roll four up to go into objective with five models, which is like crazy good. And it was like, it's for, for many like months, it was winning games for the Tress of Cain. Like hard renders were really important. So now you got Shadow Stalkers. They are like possibly better because they are like more flexible because they can do much more stuff than hard renders. Yeah, I wonder whether there's a space for Doomfire Warlocks in a mixed order list. You know, as you say, one unit of 10. Yeah, I think so. But I think like, I don't know if like mixed order is like really good right now. I think if you want to go with like, uh, with all this stuff, I think like Cities of Sigmar, like have much more possibilities. Like... Mm. Even like, and, there, and there's not a, there's not a city of Sigma yet that allows you to add uh, Daughters of Cain units alongside. Actually, like there is, like there was one in. Oh, there is. Yeah, there was one in Broken Realms Morathi. Ah, oh, there we go. Uh, it's like it's basically Dark Elves army because you can use only Elf scrolls in it, and you can take one unit of Daughters of Cain for one in every four units could be Daughters of Cain unit. I'm so glad I <laughs> I'm so glad I raised this. I'd completely missed that. Kraith Shadowhost. Oh yes, there we go. Yeah, I think it's called like uh, Harkuron or something like this. Yeah, sorry, Kraith Shadowhost is the War Scroll Battalion. Uh, Cities of Sigma Misthaven. Yeah, it's yeah, it's Harkuron, yeah. Harkuron, here we go. Ah, uh, yeah. Do you know what? I got I think I'd got so uh, distracted by Misthaven that um, I hadn't noticed Harkuron. So interesting. Yeah, you could take uh, Morafi in it as well. So it creates some possibilities, yeah. Ooh. Oh, and Shadowblades, Scourge Privateers, and Order Serpentis, Darkling. Yeah, so basically it's like Dark Elves army. If you have a, if you have a lot of Dark Elves units, Ooh, you can like really put them into one army That's right really now. Interesting. I think I, I need to revisit this Morathi book. I think it, it was, yeah, it was so easy like, to kind it, of get distracted by the uh, the new Deepkin uh, rules and the new um, uh, Daughters of Cain rules. And Daughters of Cain, yeah. But I think the like, Stormcast rules are really cool. Like, there is uh, my friend in Poland who is playing with them, and this army is like crazy good with teleporting uh, like Stormca Stormcast uh, around. With battalion. Oh, uh, what the Celestial Sentinels? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind. Of, it's some kind of battalion that can like reposition like units in the Stormkeep army. Yes, Storm Stormkeep Matrix. Yeah. Ah, oh, it's just there's a lot going on, and I think that this is the this is the great thing about the Broken Realms books is that the, there are these kind of headline changes. You know, Broken Realms Techlist brings in the headline changes for Luminous Realm Lords, but uh, even then. You look at the kind of sub changes to things like Nurgle, but then there's always these little like cities of Sigmar tweaks and things like that. Like, yeah, I think like like I think like broken realms are like amazing for the game because they make like a lot of changes to the armies. Like then uh, I think Nor Magotkin of Nurgle changes are like crazy good because they make like plug viewers really like really like I think they could be like top tier army with them. And I think the changes to cities that you can include Lumina for Elmore's units into cities armies are also like very good. So a lot of like cool stuff is coming in. and there is like Broken Realms Belakor coming as well, I think soon. So Yeah, and also Broken Realms um something else, like this kind of weird centaur thing or or Kagros or Kagnaros or something like this. 
Yeah. Something like that. Like, what, what, what do you reckon that is? I don't know. I think it could be like Kurnofi because he, he looks like centaurs alike, but it could be Beast of Chaos, I think, as well, because he's kind of like Dragon Ogre or something. Yeah. So I think it could be like a lot of stuff. It could be, I think it could be Kurnofi. Yeah. It could be. It could be Beast of Chaos. Maybe Beast of Chaos will get like new rules in those broken realms. Now that would be really interesting. I, I think from the art, it certainly looks more Kanothi than it does Beast of Chaos because it's got like a big kind of mane of hair and it's got these kind of these like curved horns. And but at the same time, it's got like a big hammer, and a hammer isn't really a. Uh, yeah, I think it could be weapons, basically it. could be like anything at this point. Like, it could be order, it could be destruction, yeah. and it could be chaos. What was the Beast of Chaos special character with the... I think they, they don't have any. No, no, there, there used to be one in, in the uh, world that was. Oh, yeah, maybe. The Beastman uh, army. It was a guy that was drunk all the time. I don't really it? remember. I was like, because, like, Beast of Chaos were all, always, like, strange army to me. But a lot of people love them, so... Goros Warhoof. There we go. Oh, he yeah. Was, uh, he was a centigore character who is forever fighting rushing or getting drunk <laughs> i think we can all we can all uh you know aspire to be like goros warhoof so maybe he'll make a comeback into like mortal realms as well yeah although he yeah he has a uh, kind of um big curvy horns as well yeah so i'm wondering whether it's this kind of centigore character and we're going to see new plastic centigores uh, for beasts of chaos potentially who knows? I'm, I'm excited either way because Beastmen are cool. I think they deserve some love for sure. Oh, they definitely do. There's there's a lot of, like, that whole range could get completely redone. It would be amazing. And just look at, like, the 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 models that have come out for either Warcry or Underworlds, whatever it is. Yeah, it was in Beastgrave. There was, like, a shaman and some, like, warrior, I think. Uh, it was in, Be in Beastgrave, wasn't it? Of course. I think if we saw if we saw a whole like uh, beast of an army, beast of chaos refresh that's kind of using those kind of uh, that kind of aesthetic, you know, the, the new. Yeah, I think a lot of people will will be crazy about them because a lot of people love beast of chaos. Yeah, I'm a fan of beast of chaos actually. I, I quite like them. I, I used to have. Uh, I was going to do a realm of light. Uh, beastman army that was actually before silver tower came out i was going to do it in like a kind of zinchian labyrinth kind of uh like with tiles and stuff on the floor <laughs> and i couldn't really kind of yeah. i didn't I didn't end up going for it in the end but um and then silver tower came out and basically was like you know zinch zinch versions you know with the the zangles up was like this is basically like the thing that i had in my mind's eye <laughs> just realized on the tabletop um but yeah no that would be cool um although you obviously you're um your herdstone's going to get smashed up by um, by the flying fox, isn't it? So yeah, I think so. But like, the, I, I like flying fox a lot. I don't think it. <laughs> I bet but you I do. don't I think it will do. be like used in a lot of lists anyway. You need to have like list with him, like designed to use him. And I what do you, what do you mean? I thought uh, no, this is wrong, Pisa. The internet's told me he's broken. He's ruined the game. And that Lumineth Realm Lords are, are the worst thing that's ever happened. Like, I'm playing Lumineth right now, and I think I didn't, he I, I don't have him in my list because I want to use Techlist, and you can't use both. So basically, if you could like choose like 400, uh, 4,000 army, 4,000 4, points army, maybe you could have like all the school stuff, but you, you, you just can't feed them into an army. It's like, it's like, I think it's like huge overreaction of what he actually does. Like, his scroll is really good, and I want to use him, but it's not like he's an auto-include, and he'll be, uh, like, in every army, and he'll, like, 
ruin the game for you. Madness. So what you're saying is that the internet has potentially overreacted. Yeah, I think it was like a huge overreaction to like uh, new realm uh, realm lords like but uh, battle tome and expansion because there are, there are a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, but it's not like it's like broken or overpowering. Like I think it like. I think Games Workshop made a fantastic decision to go with the rules writing in that direction, creating like new rules and new ways to use like models. I think it was like really good instead of like using different like profile and all this stuff. Because like those units, for example, the uh, Kangaroo Riders and the Severif are like really cool and they are like. They need to be played like differently to the other units, which I which I think is cool. But I don't think they are like really overpowering and auto including my armies. I have like I'm like building like two competitive like Lumina for Elmore's armies, and I don't have them in them. Well, Peter, thank you ever so much for for joining us. I think it's a great time to be a Daughters of Cain player, uh, and certainly a great great time to be a fan of anything pointy of ear. If people want to get hold of you on on Twitter or Instagram, is there anywhere that that you're happy to kind of shout out social media handles? Yeah, I think I think you I think if you want to, you can uh, like how is it called in Twitter? You can you can put my like Twitter into like article or something because I yeah, no because I think it's like really like long and difficult to find other way. <laughs> No worries. Well, what I'll do then is I will tag you. Yeah, tag me. Yeah, yeah, tag. Uh, I'll tag you in the in, in the tweet uh, on on Twitter with this um, uh, of this episode, and uh, and of course put put it in the show notes as well. So if if you want to get hold of Peter and chat all things Daughters of Cain or indeed Luneth, then uh, then feel free. Um, thank you very much for joining us, Peter, and look forward to having you back on the show uh, in the near future. Yeah, thank you a lot. It was a pleasure. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening to Priority Roll. If you want to get in touch with us, we're at Priority Roll on both Twitter and Instagram. You can send us an email, priorityrollpodcast at gmail.com, or you can go to anchor.fm forward slash priorityroll and leave us a voice message. If you want to leave us some feedback, we're always looking to improve, or if you just want to suggest a topic to talk about on one of our upcoming shows, then feel free to get in contact with us. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, thanks for listening to Priority Roll.